Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Live inside of our studios here in Orlando and WNSC. Myself and Michael Gray. Voice of the Sebi Podcast Show. The Golden State Warriors. And the Toronto Raptors. Game one and game two. We've had ourselves a dandy thus far through this playoffs. Yes, Toronto, sir. go ahead and take care of business in game one. Gasol, Siakam, huge in game one. And, but then you knew that the Warriors had the heart of a champion. They would come back and make adjustments. Green. Demarcus Cousins, instrumental in light of all of their injuries. And now we have our series tied at one, heading back to Oakland for games three and four. Welcome those of you guys here inside of the studio and WNSC radio, myself and Michael Gray. Mike, what, I mean, words cannot describe a sensational matchup and, and clash of the titans between the Raptors and, and obviously the Golden State Warriors in two games thus far. You're absolutely right, Sebi. When I when I watch these mat this matchup and I watch game one and two, you clearly see these are the two best teams in the NBA thus far, without question. I mean, the versatility in the starting fives on both sides, uh, the superstars coming to play at a high level, and it's it's an, it's an amazing accomplishment to see these two go against each other and. You're right. The, the Toronto Raptors handled business in Game One. Uh, the, the Warriors looked a little rusty, rusty coming out that nine days, nine days off. They came right back in Game Two. They made the adjustments. They played much better defense, especially in that second half with that 18-0 run. And here we are with the series tied one at one game apiece, heading back to Golden State. That's right. Games three and four, heading back to Oakland. Let's get right into it. Ferks, our opening segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by the newest sponsor of our show. RDV Sportsplex. That's right. RDV Sports Complex. The largest sports complex in Central Florida, hands down. You want tennis. You want curling, figure skating, ice hockey, regular hockey. You want fitness gyms and, and areas to lift weights. You want basketball. You want baseball. RDV Sportsplex. The proud partners of our show. And, Mike, let's talk about game one. Huge for Siakam and Gasol and, of course, Van Vliet, who's been steady thus far through three games for the Raptors. He sure was. Game one was, was a, an ultimate test. You could tell Toronto was ready. They was fired up. And, Sebi, how about that crowd in Toronto? I mean, did it's, dress? It's underrated. It's probably amongst the best. They've got – and the thing with Toronto, they've got a, a whole nation behind them. Right. They're the only Canadian – 
team in the NBA. You see the fans inside of the Scotia Bank building, and then you see the people outside known as Jurassic Park of the Dinosaurs. They are loud. They, they are rowdy. They're banging on the doors trying to get in, and, and they're trying to make noise for any opponent. I, I can tell you that must be a frightening environment for any opponent, e- even the Golden State Warriors. No doubt. Showed up and they showed out, and they definitely gave Toronto the boost that they needed to help Serge for that win. You're right. Pascal Siakam was amazing. 14 for 17 from the field, 32 points. He's among he's among some of the greats as far as uh, you know, the first the uh, finals performances in their first ever finals game. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's he's among one of the greats, and he had a great game. Marcus Gasol putting up 20 points, and 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 to be honest with you, Marcus Gasol's 20 points was great. But his versatility defensively and on helping it was amazing. Helping them recover, being able to uh to help on those pick and rolls and come out and then and then all peel back to get to the paint to get the rebounds to get the steals. Mark Gasol was special in game one on, on both sides of the floor. And both of them combined for fifty two points definitely gave them a boost because Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard did not have one of his best games in that game one. It was it was it was an it was an off game. Golden State played great defense against him, took away some of his easy easy baskets that he normally would get. But all in all, he still finished with 21 points and had and had a, and, and made timely baskets. But but it was a great game for Toronto, and and you're right, it was it was it was, it was what they needed, and and they they knocked down, they threw that first punch. Definitely did. They definitely protected home court and their own building. Toronto had won five in a row dating back to going 4-0 since down 0-2 against the Milwaukee Bucks for sure. And then in game two, uh, Toronto came out with that same intensity. It came with that ruckus environment back in their own floor, trying to go up 2-0. Now, this would be in familiar ground for the Warriors. The Warriors have never gone down 0-2 in any series in the Steve Kerr era, and this had been uncharted ground for them. But a heart of a champion, Klay Thompson got cooking hot, even though they were up as many as 15 in that first half. And then in the end of the second half, you saw Curry near halftime get seven quick ones to cut the lead to five. And then in that third quarter, you want to talk about a third quarter avalanche, Mike. What happened? The Warriors went on a 20-0 run, and, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, it's one of those things where when you're playing the Golden State Warriors, there's no lead that is safe. At any point in time, especially in the second quarter. In the second quarter, going against the Golden State Warriors, I don't care if you're up by 20. That lead is not safe with this team. Like you said, they have the heart of a champion, and every time their back is against the wall and they need to respond, they usually do so. Like you said, they've never been down 0-2. Game one was the big game. But I said for the Toronto Raptors, if they really want to put some pressure on Golden State, game two was the biggest game of this series thus far. Because if they can cold surge at home in game two, Oh man, we, we we've got something cooking. But in order to do that, you have to match that intensity for four quarters, not two, because they had they played like you like you said, they played a great first half. They played they were moving the basketball. They were, everybody was getting touches. They were getting paint points. They were getting shots outside. They were getting offensive rebounds. It was a great first half for the Toronto Raptors, especially that second quarter. You know, but when, like you said, that third quarter, they came out. The the, the crowd wasn't as as into it as they should have been. But we can't blame that on them. The, the Raptors just came out flat. And we all right. know through this five-year run that the Golden State Warriors have been on, they've been known to come out aggressive and come out firing in that third quarter. And that's exactly what they did. They showed it. They showed another glimpse of that uh, in game two. And they carried it on. That 18-0 run, uh, they, never, they never maintained 
they never maintained a huge lead, but they got a lead enough to the point where they were able to hold surge in the fourth quarter and hang on. And defensively, you got to give it to him. Like you said, we were talking about Siakam in game one and his stellar performance, going 14 for 17 with 32 points. But in that game two, Draymond Green and others stepped up and showed, showed what they were capable of and held him to 12 points on five of 18 shooting. So you got to make it tough on these guys. And we knew that we knew that they, they would come back and, and, and play better defensively because they had that tenacity. They had that extra level that they can go to every single time. So I, I wasn't surprised at all to go to State Warriors one game two. I picked the Golden State Warriors to win game two. And we have a series coming back to Golden State. It's, it's, looking, it's, looking, it's looking interesting. With, with that Clay Thompson injury, I don't know if he's coming back. We already know Kevon Looney's out. But with that Clay Thompson injury, if he's not able to go, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to be tough. I want to see how Steph Curry and the others respond. And and this is and we'll get right into that uh, as soon as you said that here. This is interesting for the Golden State Warriors. You're Steve Kerr. You're pretty much uh, you're the knot is tied on your neck. What do you do? The injury bug has really hit them at the most unopportune time with Kevin Durant out, Kevon Looney fractured and out for the remainder of the NBA Finals. Uh, the status of Klay Thompson is up in the air, but. That split that he did was kind of like a cheerleader's one. It didn't look right. Um, and, and I think the doctor said that he, he's quoted that it hurt near the thigh. And so you need that right. thigh, especially when you're Clay Thompson and you're as deadly of a marksman that he is from the three-point line. You need that thigh to be able to levitate and hit those jump shots that he's so, so good at. Um, so there are decisions to make for Steve Kerr. But I want to talk to you about what a boost they got from DeMarcus Cousins in team two. 11 points off the uh, starting 10 rebounds and six assists, especially with Kavon Looney. Obviously, you miss the defensive prowess Looney brings you, especially defending the pick and roll, which DeMarcus Cousins lacks in. But offensively, you saw buying into led by their anchor in Draymond Green. We'll talk about him later on. And, um, and what a boost for Steve Kerr to have the luxury of DeMarcus Cousins to line up and give credit to them. You know, Iguodala was banged up. And and the two guys that I thought that really stepped up was DeMarcus Cousins and Quinn Cook off that bench, yeah. especially with the hamper. Yes. Uh, Iguodala, and we'll get to him as well. So how, moving forward, what does Steve Kerr do with the injury bug that has hit him thus far? Like you said, um, he has to go deep into his bench, and his bench has to continue to produce just like they did in game two. Like, I'm, I'm so glad you brought him up. Quinn Cook has been a guy that's – he's been a, a journeyman in this league. He's been he's been cut plenty of times. He's had to go through a lot of adversity in his time in the NBA. But, man, has he stepped up big in these finals and he stepped up big with this Golden State Warriors team. We have to give him credit, hitting those three threes in the second half, playing um, aggressive defense the, the way that he played. And we definitely have to give him some props as well. We need more of that from him and then some in these next few games if the Warriors want to come out. And like you said, you're absolutely right. DeMarcus Cousins may have been the MVP of the, of the game yesterday, along with Draymond Green. The, f the fact that he had 11 points, 10 rebounds, and six assists was amazing. He, his versatility on the court was needed. And mind you, he played 27 minutes in that game, which is something that he hasn't played in a long time, you know, coming off that injury. So it was, it was good to see him be able to adjust uh, mentally and physically to the wear and tear that he was going to have to put on his body in that series, in this game. So hey, you're right. It, it was absolutely special watching him perform. And going forward, uh, we might need, we, especially if, if Clay Thompson can't go, 
we might need him to uh, boost that 11 points to possibly 25 because he needs to make up some points on the offensive end as well. But like you said, this bench is going to go deep. And, 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 and Sebi, isn't it a luxury to have your third center when Kevon Looney is in the lineup? Isn't it a luxury to have your third center to be Andrew Bogut? I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like, even right. if we know Kevon Looney is going to be out. But the fact that they have Andrew Bogut right now as their second center, oh, it's, it's a luxury. You know, because he can defend. He's versatile on the right. offensive, side, offensive side. He can also pass the ball uh, out to the shooters. Uh, I, I'm actually intrigued to see what Golden, see what the others on Golden State steps up. To be honest with you, this is going to be their toughest test in their five-year five run to me because they're, because they're going to be against a, a much tougher defensive team. They're going to be against a team that can score offensively as well, and they match up very well with them. And it's going to take a Herculean effort and from Steph Curry and, and others, and Draymond, of course, in order to pull this one off. Right, right. Now I want to shift gears here to the Toronto Raptors side of things and your Nick Nurse. What stood out to me for the first two games, Mike, um, to me is that what I've seen so far with the Golden State Warriors is the Warriors, the way that they suffocated and stymied the Blazers defensively in the conference finals, I, I think they know that they really can't dominate right. the Raptors like that. I, I, what I've seen the first two games is the Raptors, they're always going to get a quality shot every possession, barring something catastrophic, barring that, you know, they get a turnover here or, uh, you know, Siakam just does something um, ill-advised or, or Kawhi Leonard does something ill-advised. But the way that the Raptors play under Nick Nurse's system, to me, on their side, they're in the bargain here. Is I think the Warriors realize they're not gonna stymie and dominate them like the Blaze, like the Golden State, uh, Golden State Warriors did the Blazers with that great backcourt of Daniel and CJ McCollum. There's just too much firepower. You got Gasol, you got the two powerhouses in, in Kawhi Leonard and Siakam, and then of course you got the others. Fred Van Vliet, what a great for game one and game two he's had. Yes. Norman Powell off the bench, boy, you want to talk about a spark plug. He is a spark plug. He can come out and defend and also hits a couple, knock down, knock down some shots, his versatility defensively, and he can get into lane. And then Ibaka. Ibaka, the way that he can switch from one through five, and he can also make perimeter jumpsters on the elbow, it has been instrumental for Nick Nurse's team. So I, I, when you look at the Raptors here, I know they, they blew away a, a golden opportunity in game two because they just couldn't make anything. They couldn't buy a bucket in that third quarter which ultimately made them lose that game. But something that I think they can move on for it, I don't think the Raptors are out of this. I, I think they should really be pleased the way that they play these first two games. Obviously, they know what they're up against with this Golden State Warriors team, but I think they should be pleased. I saw Nick Nurse do something in the fourth quarter in game two yesterday. He, he did something that Phil Jackson in the 96 and 97 Bulls with Pippen and Jordan did. He went on a boxing one against Steph Curry. We have not seen that type of defense played since, like I said, Phil Jackson with, with Pippen and Jordan. That, that has pretty much been non-existent in basketball. Not even uh, AAU teams or high school leagues play a box in one. Well, he threw that out to Steph Curry, and we saw from the 539 mark to the seven seconds yep. of that fourth quarter, the Golden State Warriors did not right. score a point right. in a five-minute stretch. And so... 
we really saw Steph Curry bothered, and he's been bothered a lot in this series, really getting bottled up by Fran Van Vliet, and he's done a phenomenal job guarding Steph Curry. Van Vliet has been excellent. And then uh, what, what Nick Nurse has done is gotten his boxing win. It's kind of confused Draymond Green and uh, Steph Curry as the primary ball handlers for the Warriors. And so I, I think that Kerr has to figure out how they're going to do that. So if I'm the Raptors here, obviously I would love to go up 2-0 but I, I feel a little bit good about myself, especially with these injuries with the Warriors and with this boxing one that I have pretty much puzzled Curry and you're Draymond Green. You're absolutely Your right. And I know that. Steve Kerr has, has paid attention to that. I'm sure he'll make adjustments, but you're absolutely right. When, when, when they bottled up Curry, you saw how, how hard it was for Golden State to get off a shot. And especially for game three and moving on, if Klay Thompson can't come back, they're gonna put, they're gonna put more even more pressure on Cur- on Curry and and put more emphasis defensively on him and force anybody else outside of him to beat them beat them scoring the basketball. Mike Mike, I've been pleased. I've been very pleased with the Warriors uh, with the Raptors. Excuse me. Um, attention to details defensively. They have committed to putting two on Curry and say, look. If we lose with somebody beating us, without Iguodala has done that, you can say he's the modern-day Robert Ory because for some reason he always yes, gets sir. open and he hits a clutch shot. Maybe maybe a modern-day Derek Fisher, but uh, um, they've been committed to put two on Curry and say, you know what, and two on Thompson as well, and saying, Draymond Green, you make a play. Uh, uh, McKinney, you make a play. Iguodala, you make a play. Quinn Cook, make a play. I've been impressed with their defensive attention to details defensively. You got high pick and roll when Curry comes out ball screens. He gets it and starts loading up for three. You see Gasol step up and forcing him into a driver. They've made the Golden State Warriors. Think about this, Mike. They've made the Golden State Warriors into a two-point yep. jump shot team. They're running them off the three-point line. I've been impressed with them. No Rockets doubt. Team. And their length has a lot to do with it as well. They're a very long team. And when you do that, sometimes with a team like, like Toronto that has a lot of length, Sometimes you don't always have to block the shot. You don't always have to alter it, but you you will all you will alter the shot just because of your length. When they, when they're making a, when they're trying to make a jump shot, because there's so many arms thrown in the area, you can alter and throw and throw off their rhythm. And that's you're right. That's exactly what Toronto has been doing. And you're right. It's special to see. And I I want to see how Steve Kerr can adjust to that because it's not like the 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 length of the Raptors is going anywhere. You're gonna have to deal with this in order to win the championship. So I'm I'm interested to see how. Uh, Golden State adjust to this and, and, and what, what haymakers they can throw at them. To be honest with you, Sebi, I see this being a defensive series the rest of the way because I know Golden State it, it, it can cannot anticipate scoring 125 points a game anymore with, without their without their sharpshooters and that, especially without Kevin Durant. They're gonna have to clamp down. They're gonna have to play solid defense, and Toronto is gonna pick up and pick up their defense as well. And you're absolutely right. I, I'm, I'm interested to see the adjustments from both of these coaches. Right, right. And I and before I, I said this would go distance. I had the Golden State Warriors in seven. Um, but you know, without the injuries now with Clay Thompson, especially if he can't go and Kevin Durant doesn't play in game three and potentially not four. We're we're getting details he might play in game four. A huge opportunity right now for the Raptors to seize back control of this series, but a lot of things to talk about, a lot of narratives, and also transition for me. I, I and, and kind of like the goal what you were saying with the defensive series. I think the Golden State Warriors yep. have to go back to their identity and that strength in the numbers. And you know how they won that first ring in 2015 was strength in offense and strength in defense. They got to get back to that 2015 team where 
you know, the other players are going to have to step up. The Harrison Barnes, the Festus Azili's of the world. Bogut, obviously Bogut was in his prime at the time, but the other guys, he's got to step up. But I think it starts defensively. Sean Livingston off the bench can give you a spark. Um, I think that uh, for the Raptors as well, you know, they're great defensively as well. And Siakam being their anchor in Gasol. And then obviously we know about, we all know about the two-time defensive player of the year and, and Kawhi Leonard as well. But we'll, we'll touch up on that on the next um, <clears throat> segment here on the Sebi Podcast Show. But first, when we come back, talk about who's been the best player through mm. two games thus far. I'll give you my thoughts, Mike, and you'll hear about his. And also a very intriguing other individual as well. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming on here on WNSC Radio. Hi, I'm Fanny. I'm Cecilia. I'm Joanna. And I'm Alwyn Jr. And we are Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And we would love to give a special thanks to Sebi Podcast Creo for keeping us up to date with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If so, reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs, and be sure to let us know that SEBI Podcast sent you. Thank you. Sebi Podcast Radio Show here. My t- myself and Michael Gray, the best player thus far in these NBA Finals. To you, Mike, who has it been? Uh, Steph Curry has been great, but not efficient thus far. Uh, the old Steph Curry that we're accustomed to. Draymond Green has been excellent as well. There's a couple others, Siakam, Van Vliet, and and, and etc. Your thoughts about you? There are your early NBA Finals MVP. Right now, I would have to give it to Draymond Green. I'm going with Draymond Green. He hasn't shot in the fi- shot in as efficiently, and of course, in the first game, he went two for nine from the field and didn't make a three pointer. But he had a triple double with ten points, ten rebounds, and ten assists. You know, and then and then the second game, you could just see in game two how he just facilitates and orchestrates their entire offense with with pushing the ball up in transition, allowing Steph and Clay to get to their spots, and getting the ball and getting the ball to them on pick and rolls. And so and so forth, but I'm gonna have to go with Draymond Green. That's that game two was 17, 10, and nine. Uh, it's, it's special. And to be honest with you, Sebi, we can only anticipate to see better results from Draymond Green as this series goes on. You know, at the end of the day, when they, when the Golden when things get tight, the Golden State Warriors know they have a couple of dogs on their team. One of them is Draymond Green, and I I, I fully expect him to continue to re- repeat or duplicate the game that he had in game two. And, and carry it on for the rest of the series. But right now, I would have to give that now to Draymond Green because of how he's affected the game on all on all aspects. The great Brad Stevens had Celtics said an infamous quote before. He said that, the, and I'll use this in for the Raptors here. The Raptors really have to be careful going into Game Three in Oakland here because a quote, and what Brad Stevens has said is they have to be ready and to withstand the wave in which Oakland and Oracle is going to be. Meaning you might 
start off down 18-4 or something like that. That that crowd right. in Oakland, they've been in this past five-year run, they've been one of the best in the NBA, along with the Blazers crowd, the Toronto Raptors, Thunder in Chesapeake Energy Arena. We know what they can do. The Jazz in Salt Lake City, your only sports team in Salt Lake City. You know how much their fans love them dearly. What they're going to go up against in that game. three, And that all starts to me with Draymond Green. Obviously, you know, Curry and Thompson are the Splash Brothers. Uh, Kevin Durant, universally recognized top two, top three player in the world. Uh, and so, but the engine that runs, the little engine that makes this Golden State Warriors run is really Draymond Green offensively and defensively. The way that he brings up the ball, he puts the ball in the elbow. You can put, make him run sets on top of the key and then defensively being the anchor of that defense, making everybody to be in their position and, and going in the lane, blocking shots, alterating shots as they go up. Draymond Green might be the heart and soul that beats this Golden State team and makes them run. And so I, I'd agree with you, Mike. This guy's right. been phenomenal. You go 10, 10, and 10 in the game one, and then you follow that up with 17, 10, and 9. Draymond Green, steady. Uh, in, the marks, in the words of Mark Jackson, this just in, we going green. <laughs> so he's, he's been <laughs> exactly. dynamite thus far in these finals. And, and overall, since Kevin Durant has gone down, they needed an army knife. They needed a soldier to step up. And Draymond Green has done that with open arms for the Golden State Warriors. And this is what, of course, one of the Fab Five individuals and Jalen Rose had to say about Draymond Green. Let's take a listen. But of course, the Splash Brothers got the catchy nickname. And I hear KD can come back at 50% and they can still win the championship. However, let me talk to you about a guy that's actually performing like the most valuable player on the Golden State Warriors. That's Draymond Green, the Swiss Army Knife, the guy that's giving them the points, giving them the rebounds, giving them the assists, the leadership, the tenacity, the toughness, the versatility. When Steph Curry was basically not able to make a field goal the entire first half the previous game, Draymond Green was steady, dropping dimes to Boogie, dropping dimes to Bogut, getting getting them into their offense, pushing the pace. He was steady throughout the game. So when Boogie's able to get his double-double and his six dimes, Draymond was still there. Quinn Cook making three threes, Draymond Green was still there. Klay Thompson, when he goes out of the game, Draymond Green is still there. That guy has been the rock for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And that's Jalen Rose there, a prominent ESPN analyst on the networks over there. And Mike, your thoughts about what Jalen had to say? I agree. I agree. Like, like, like he said, Draymond is the hardest soul. You – we see the Splash Brothers. We see Kevin Durant. You know, we see guys like that, and we we hear all this, and we we see, oh wow, these are the superstars, the best players. At the end of the day, the Golden State Warriors don't have that mystique, that dog mentality, that killer will. If Draymond Green isn't on the team, I've said this for years and years and years, and it continues to validate for him. Draymond Green is the perfect fit for this team. Before Dray, before Draymond, I want to say this: before Steve Kerr got there, and Mark Jackson was the head coach. Draymond Green wasn't this effective because Steph Curry had the ball in his hands majority of the time. Steve Kerr made the adjustment that said, Steph Curry, we're going to play you more off the ball. And Draymond Green has played more of the point forward, if you will, and has facilitated for what these guys can do on the outside shooting. And he's 
He also brings it on the defensive level, and he's the lead. He's their leader on the defense. This is a, this is a special player, especially on, on both sides of the ball. And when he does, he facilitates. He does everything for this team. He, he's the, he's their marksman. He's their he's their go to go to hitter whenever they need something. Whenever they need a boost. Whenever they need a, a pick me up. Somebody's down or, or adversity striking, and somebody's not responding. Draymond Green is quick to come up to you and say, "Nah, let's get, let's get it, let's get this right. Let's, we, we got we got too much to uh, to play for right now. Let's go." You know, and I think a player like him is is needed and important on every championship team. And Draymond has spearheaded that team in the um in, in that department. Definitely there, Draymond Green. Definitely impressive throughout the first uh two games here. And when we look at the Toronto Raptors side of the equation to you, who stand out to you the first two games thus far? Van Vliet has been excellent. Powell off the bench, Siakam, and also Mark Gasol. Kawhi Leonard, huge in game two, 34 points, 14 rebounds. He did have five turnovers. But to you, for Nick Nurse's team, who are you looking at in game three and saying, I want you to continue what you've done thus far? Uh, It might be a cliche. I got two. Because I think these two are, are just as important as, as each other. I, I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard. I need to, him to improve off of the game that he had in game two and game three. But I'm also going to go Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam is he – had, he, had, he had a rough game in game two. But he had, he had such a great game in game one. And normally when he has a very efficient game and, and, and uses his versatility – the the Toronto Raptors it normally bodes well for them and they normally get to get in the win column and it's special to watch him play and it's going to be a heavy competition between him and Draymond Green you know I think the fact that I think the fact that he had 32 points and shot so efficiently in game one uh, may have fired up Draymond Green even more which means he needs to add he needs to pick up his intensity and take it to a whole other level and be that much more efficient but like you said I, I'm gonna have to go with both of them Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam, definitely the leaders offensively and defensively for the Toronto Raptors. And as we look ahead to game three here, 9 Eastern on ABC tomorrow night, uh, to you, who has the upper hand in this advantage? Is it the banged-up Golden State Warriors or is it the Toronto Raptors now seeking to take back home court in game three? In game three, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors. I think game three, the Golden State Warriors have the upper hand because they have the experience of this moment. They understand what's at stake. They understand that this first game at home is crucial, you know, to really to really add more, even more pressure to the Toronto Raptors. I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors. Now, that's assuming that Klay Thompson is, is healthy and ready to go. If Klay Thompson isn't ready to go, I'm going to lean towards the Toronto Raptors because of the depth on the bench. I just, I just, I just feel like, with, without Kevin Durant and without Klay Thompson, I think the Toronto Raptors are too much to make up for offensively gotcha, gotcha. as far as scoring-wise. They're too much to make up for on that, on that side of the ball, and I don't think Golden State has enough firepower to, to add up to, to even up the points in order to make up if Klay Thompson isn't out. But if Klay Thompson is healthy and playing, I'm going to give the edge to Golden State. Well, we're uncertain about Klay uh, Thompson and, and how healthy he will be. He's saying that he's okay, he's okay. You know, you hear Steve Kerr in his press conferences like Clay and Draymond is the two guys in the team that, you know, you can't not just listen to anything they say because even paralyzed, they'll want to be able to play. But I'm going to go the other way out here. I'm going to take the Toronto Raptors in game three. I've been impressed with, with what they've done uh, through two games. Obviously, 
they blew a golden opportunity and Kawhi didn't close in game two. And that was a huge noise uh, 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 about him always being the best player in the world. Why didn't he close in the last five minutes, 39 seconds, where the Golden State Warriors were shut down to zero points? I think he's hearing all of the noise, the naysayers and the antics. I think he'll come out and and put on a show in game three. I like the the Raptors here. And here's going to be the key, Mike. In game one, what did the Raptors do so well besides Pascal Siakam? They got out in transition. They really made baskets out in transition. And the Golden State Warriors didn't have time to set up their um, half-court defense. Obviously, when you're making shots, it's easier to do that. But, uh, you know, with the Golden State Warriors. But I'm going to take the the Raptors here in game three. Um, you know, Klay Thompson... If he doesn't play, that's that's a, a huge boost for the for the Raptors. Huge. But even if he does, it looked bad, Mike. It did look bad with that sprain, and I'm not sh- I'm unsure a hundred percent of how of of any doing he's going to be good. I mean, you could use him as a decoy because he's an excellent shooter, but uh, we're uncertain about how he will be. And oh, by the way, he has to go out in the opposite end and guard either. Kawhi Leonard or Pascal Siakam. Good luck with a bad hamstring or a bad knee sprain to go up against that. So I like the I like the Raptors here in game three to regain home court uh, and go up 2-1 in the series. Again, transition is going to be key, and you got to make open shots. That third quarter wave that they had hit them, that avalanche or that hurricane, that cannot happen in game three. I like the right. Raptors here. Now, barring anything catastrophic, if Kevin Durant plays, that's an immediate impact. I, I got to you know, switch it, uh, to the Golden State Warriors because with all these injuries, you put Kevin Durant in a team like that with the injuries going on, he's going to offset that. Yeah, that's yeah, Kevin Durant. No doubt. So Kevin Durant. if he plays in game three, uh, which I don't think he will, I like the Raptors in game three. Right. Yeah, and, and, and I, I agree with you. If Kevin Durant plays, then uh, come on. Now. We're not even having this conversation <laughs> to that point. But to be honest with you, Sebi, I really don't see Kevin Durant coming back this entire series. I, wow. really, I really don't see – I really think he's that injured. I don't think he tore it, but I think he's injured to the point where I don't think he could be able to go within within the next four or five games possibly. I just don't see it happening because the injury was such – was so soon. It happened so recent. And I think you need more and more, more than just a month and a half to rehab for that. And I don't think he's ready to come back. But you're absolutely right. With, with Kevin Durant, it's, it's no brainer. But without Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson – I would have to agree. I would give it. I would give the uh, not the nod to the Raptors because of their depth and and and, with, and the adjustment that they made on. They're gonna, if Clay, if Clay Thompson can't play, they're gonna do everything everything they can to make sure anybody but Curry can beat them. And they're gonna right. put so much pressure on Curry. I don't know how effective and efficient he's gonna be. So you're absolutely right. But with Clay Thompson, I would give the edge to the Warriors because of how what he can do on both sides of the ball. Right, definitely there. And, and you're right about the uncertainty of Kevin Durant. And this is a physical series. I mean, you, Steve Kerr, you've got a decision to make. I mean, obviously, it's Kevin Durant, universally recognized as a top two, top three player in the entire universe. But he's going against a team that is defensively suffocating and they play physical. They're going to bang bodies on that knee. They're going to bang bodies on that where that Achilles was. They're going to make sure that Kevin Durant plays on both ends of the floor and really test that Achilles and definitely make sure that they put their hands on him. So a very physical series. Not sure Steve Kerr has to make an adjustment, but if Kevin Durant is ready to go, not sure you keep him out. But we'll get to see as the series shifts to Oakland for games three and game four. The Golden State Warriors looking to seize control and the Raptors hoping to get 
a potential game five back in Toronto where Drizzy and his antics will be. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming on WMC Radio. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan. This Sebi Podcast radio show back here on WNSC Radio here for our final segment here today, guys. Mike will be back here in 10 seconds. We've got NFL OTAs to talk about. We'll go ahead and get right into it. Back back here in 10 seconds. This week on NFL OTAs, guys, Folks, Gerald McCoy, the nine-year veteran, six-time Pro Bowler for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's picked the Carolina Panthers instead of the Ravens and the Browns in the two teams battling the AFC North to sign with. That means Cam Newton has another weapon defensively to go inside with Luke Cookley, Thomas Davis, and that great tandem of linebackers that they have in Charlotte, North Carolina. What jumps to me? And that can really move bodies, especially help immediately in a run. By the way, he gets to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice a year. Absolutely. You know, then he's pairing up with guys like Starla Tulele, uh, obviously, obviously guys like Luke Kuechly and, uh, on, on a linebacker spot. So that, that, that'll make sure that he gets in the right positions and, and fills the right gaps and stuff like that. You always want to, you know, at, me, me being a former defensive lineman, when I, whenever you have a, a, a steady linebacker that's a leader, that understands the, the entire defense and is able to put you in the right positions. It always bodes well for you for your for your confidence and it, it, it elevates your talent and your uh, your play. So playing playing along alongside a guy like guy like that will help him out. And it was it was a great pickup. Like Gerald McCoy, he has been a very steady, consistent defensive lineman ever since he's been coming to the league. He's been he's been wandering around one of the top. Top five defensive tackles in the league for a long time now. You remember he coming out of Oklahoma? It was it was him and Indomitian Sue coming into the draft. So he's been he's been a very steady steady uh, defensive tackle, and I'm I'm glad to see him see him continue to play. And you know you know this is the type of league we're in now. You know most of the times, you know when you have players that that are, are big time players and they and they lead their team, they normally do go to the division because the division a divisional opponent is someone who sees them. Uh, at least twice a year for for multiple years, and the Carolina Panthers have seen have seen plenty of times where Gerald McCoy has been in the backfield, uh, uh, hitting Cam Newton or whoever the case may be, and 
it's it's been it's been something that that they've been heavily has been heavily on their minds, and it was a big big time pickup. And I know, like you said, Cam Newton and the rest of Carolina are happy to have him. Definitely, they're the great coach that they have down there. Old time Riverwalk, Coach Rivera excited to have Jerry McCoy on his defense, and ironically, and Donatik Sue taking the position for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tampa there. And other news, the owner for the the Ravens, for the Baltimore Ravens, Steve Marchini said that Lamar Jackson in 2019 will run less. Lamar Jackson, he's made an effort to talk to John Harbaugh. And we'll get to this, uh, Mike. John Harbaugh, I mean, you want to talk about some of the more excellent coaches in the NFL. Uh, he might be the best underrated coach in the NFL what he's done with his team in the Baltimore Ravens. Always, always elite. Always top five. Year in, year out defensively. And we all know what they can do once they get into the postseason. John Harbaugh, an elite company as one of the premier coaches in the NFL. But Steve Martini, Ravens owner, has said that Lamar Jackson will run less in 2019. Your thoughts about perhaps Lamar Jackson and his owner wanting him to run less and not doing what he does so best. Well, you got to understand the context of what he's saying. He's not really saying he shouldn't run much at all. He's just saying he should run less than, than, than what he was doing in his rookie season. You got to remember, his first NFL game, he had 27 carries for like 150 yards, I want to say. And we, we always said, like, come on, come on, those were running back numbers. We like, we know at the end of the day. He's, he's unbelievable, Mike. Yeah, he's not going to continue to run that much because he obviously can't. He can't run that much if he wants to sustain a long career in the NFL. So we already know he's going to run less. I'm sure right now he's working on his accuracy, his precision, and, and getting and getting all the all the tools and all the tools ready for for his game to excel this year. And I fully expect him to be one of the top dual threats, dual dual threat quarterbacks in the league for years to come as he continues to progress and, and get the right pieces around him. He's in a great organization, like you said, John Ball, John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He's he's a really a leader of men. He loves Lamar Jackson. He he wouldn't put him he wouldn't put him in a situation like that. Where we're, we're to the point where you're running him down the drain and this is the this is your franchise. You know, you take care of your quarterbacks. This is a, this is a franchise player. This is a guy that can possibly lead you to the promised land if healthy. And you, you don't want to run him into the ground, but you do want to use his legs. You do want to use the, uh uh use that dual threat quarterback that he is and you know he definitely will run less than what he did last year before but he still he still will be effective with his legs definitely there joe flacco out in the lamar jackson era in baltimore definitely and mike lamar jackson first year as an nfl player last year most carries by a quarterback in nfl history that's more than vince young more than warren moon more than michael vick that's more than Russell Wilson, more than the electrifying RG3, Robert Griffin III, Lamar Jackson, definitely redefining that position in the NFL. And we're excited to see what he does in Encore in year two. We go back up into Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Head coach, new head coach, Matt LaFleur, got his torn Achilles running drills with the Green Bay Packers. Now he's supposed to be brought in as a quarterback whisperer for the great Aaron Rodgers. Now, where do Green Bay and Ted Thompson go from here? Wow. Well, I know I know one thing. He, he uh, McFleur is going to have to get his get himself together because it's going to be hard to coach on the torn ACL, especially mentally dealing with that mentally dealing dealing with that situation. 
So um, I think I think what Green Bay needs to do is um is they need to do something in a hurry and fast because Aaron Rodgers is not getting any younger, and you don't want to continue to waste his prime years with, without without a, a steady head coach that 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 is a legitimate leader of men that isn't a hundred percent himself. You know, you want to you want to hurry up and get somebody in there fast that can lead the troops and get Green Bay back, get Green Bay back to the promised land. And, and continue to utilize Aaron Rodgers the way he is because, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like I said, Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger, and his best years, his best years are are behind him, and and, and could be are immediately ahead of him, you know. So you want you want to continue to to, to get somebody in there that 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 would that would lead this team to the promised land, and so someone that Aaron Rodgers would would would, would be okay with. Definitely there. And we stick with the Green Bay Packers. Now we go on defense. Jair Alexander, the top overall selection for the Packers last year says he has high expectations this year he's got goals set for him he wants to be all pro and also a pro bowler your thoughts on that for Green Bay Sebi I love this brother Jair Alexander I remember him when he was in Louisville playing with playing alongside Lamar Jackson and he was just making plays after plays after plays he's a very special player and I remember I remember last year his rookie year the game that stood out to me was the game against the St. Louis Rams I mean the excuse me the Los Angeles Rams Yes, they lost that game 29 to 27. But boy did Jair Alexander have a great game. He 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 made deflections. He uh he he was he made timely plays and he was just competitive. He was competing the entire game. He wasn't afraid of the moment and he 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 showed up and showed up. And uh and this brother is special. He he definitely can have a long future in this game and he's going to get more and more opportunities because of the league that we're playing in right now. This is a passing league. So cornerbacks have you know, the pick of the litter, and they, they they have the most targets coming at them nowadays more than ever in the NFL. So I definitely see, I definitely agree with him that he could possibly, he, he's supposed to have high confidence for himself. And I agree, his, his confidence can lead him to a big, big time season. And I, I agree. So Jair Alexander is going to have a great season, and he's going to be one of the cornerbacks that we look out for in years to come. Definitely great and promising prospect for the Green Bay Packers moving on forward. Ted Thompson, owner of the Green Bay Packers, said he reminds him of the great Tremont Williams that used to mm. play with them okay. in a couple years ago back there with Charles Woodson when they won their first. The Packers division foe, the Lions, the great Darius Slay, all pro Darius Slay and all pro inside defensive tackle Demond Snacks Harrison saying that they're going to hold out in training camp. They're not going to come in until they get a new extension from the Lions. Your thoughts on that? Yes, Darius Slay, I agree. Darius Slay deserves his money. Darius Slay has been one of the most consistent cornerbacks that we've had in the NFL for quite some time. He's actually, Sebi, he's actually been one of the most slept on and underrated cornerbacks that we've had for years to come as well because, you know, he's very consistent, you know, but, but team success has altered, you know, a lot of people's vision of what he can do on the field and, I love Darius Slay. I love what he brings to the table. And you already know how I feel about my guy, Big Damon Smacks Harrison. I mean, he, he, he's, he's him himself is better. He's a big guy. He's player. a fridge, Mike. He's big to move around. Oh, my goodness, man. He, himself, just alone uh, at the defensive tackle spot, is better than most defensive tackle tandems in the league. You know, what he can do as far as run stopping, and he's gotten better over the years as far as getting to the quarterback. You know, so I, I love Damon Snacks Harrison. And the fact that they're two holding out, both of those guys deserve their money. You know, because if you pay those guys, trust me, they will they will hunt for you, they will eat for you, and they will show that hunger and passion that they have on the field. 
definitely there. Now we go to Cleveland, where the Browns all of a sudden have expectations. Baker Mayfield, an explosive offense, an opportunistic defense with some key players and some key names like Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. The LSU tandem of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry came out and said that they'll each get over 1,100 yards this season. Fact or fiction? Wow. Okay, they they each get eleven hundred yards. Well, I agree. I think they they they're easily both capable of getting over eleven hundred yards. And to be honest with you, I think they're both capable of getting more than eleven hundred yards. That's how good they both are, especially Odell Beckham Jr. But my thing with that is, is that going to get them to the playoffs and get them to where they want to go? You know, this Cleveland team. You're right. They have a lot of hype around them right now. They have a lot of high expectations. But we'll see how the how how it matches up because you know how. Normally in the NFL, when a team is hyped as much as the Cleveland Browns were in this offseason, other teams are paying attention to that. And they want to make sure that they give them their best chance. Every opponent that goes against the Cleveland Browns will give them their best shot, their best opportunity, and their best game. And they're going to have to come with it every single game. Almost won the Super Bowl last year, how the, how the defending Super Bowl champion gets the opponent's team's best shot. They're going to have this best shot from every team because of the firepower on the team and the hype that's built around this team. So I'm interested to see the, um, how they respond to that challenge moving forward in this season. Definitely, definitely there. And lastly, we go to San Francisco. San Francisco, and where in San Francisco, Jimmy G, Garoppolo should be back for the 49ers. The 49ers looking and um, was one of the sleeper teams last year to make the playoffs. They didn't. They're looking to bounce back in game in, in year two of the Jimmy Garoppolo era. And Kyle Shanahan, that's right, the creative mind and coach of Kyle Shanahan, kind of like your modern-day creative mind, guys. Andy Reid's, the Sean McVay's, the uh, the coach for the Chicago Bears as well, and Matt Nagy. Um, so a lot of expectations here for year two for the Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49ers are thrilled about it. No doubt, man. And I, to be honest with you, Sebi, I was so, I was so sad. To see that Jimmy G went out last year the way he went out in week one, you know, because I had high hopes for him coming into coming into that season as well because I love Jimmy G. You know, the the, uh, the the training and the mentoring that Bill Belichick did and molding this man, uh, getting him ready for the, for the for life after Tom Brady, and then for him to be shipped out in there is amazing. Uh, I know I know Bill Belichick was hurt about that, but at the, at the end of the day, San Francisco got themselves a gym. He deserves every bit of that uh, $100 million contract that he received uh, over the years. He's, he's definitely the franchise for the 49ers, and I expect him to come back with a vengeance this season uh, with, the, with the chance to prove the world how special he is and how he can lead a team uh, to the playoffs and possibly further because Jimmy G is the real deal. He's special. Definitely there. And, we, of course, we go across to the Mile High City in Denver. John Elway, we know how great he was of a quarterback in his days, but he's also been excellent as a GM for the Denver Broncos. He said this signing and this offseason, two guys in particular, he wants and he got Joe Flacco because he's a big-time player in crucial moments in the playoffs. Joe Flacco, 10 playoff wins. That includes seven of them in the road. So he's big-time on the road. And his new head coach in Vic Mangio, we saw what he did last year with the Chicago Bears' number one ranked defense, Khalil Mack and company. He said he signed him, Vic Mangio, to have that same immediate impact with his star linebacker in Von Miller. Your thoughts about Denver this year? 
Denver is a sneaky team this year, Sebby, because it all depends on how Joe Flacco plays. We know how Joe Flacco can play in the postseason because he always turns it up another level when, when it's crunch time and when, when they need it the most. But throughout the regular season, when he was during his tenure with the Baltimore Ravens, we've seen it the times when it almost looks like he doesn't care and he's lackluster and, and some, some of the throws aren't as accurate as they, as they should be. And he's not as locked in as he, as he normally would be. So I'm interested to see how he would perform with the weapons that Denver has. You know, you have guys like Emmanuel Sanders on the wide receivers. He's underrated, Mike. Very underrated. And then you have guys in the backfield like Phillip Lindsay coming off a great rookie year and Devontae Jackson as well. So we'll, we'll see with the weapons that he has and uh, a very solid offensive line. Can that running game help him out with the play action? Because Joe Flacco has always been excellent in that play action. And we all know the type of arm strength he has. His deep ball is one of the best in the league, bar none. So... I'm interested to see Denver, as we all know about this defense. Come on now. They have a great cornerback tandem in Chris Harris Jr. and Bradley Roby. You have the safety spot, the young safeties in the backfield, and then, uh, and then you have the uh, solid linebackers. You always have Von Miller. And the then Hall you of have, Famer Von Miller. Yeah, you always have Von Miller. Then you have Nick Chubb on the defensive line as well. So you're right. This defense, I don't know if this defense can perform to the level of that, 20, that 2016 defense that won in the Super Bowl, but I know for a fact that they can – perform at a high level as well because they have the pieces, they have the leadership, and they have the players to make it happen. I think the league was impressed last year by the fact how Vic Mangio really changed that defense with the Chicago Bears, but they really had a lot of key pieces. Raekwon Smith was a new guy, but they really had a a lot of key pieces already instilled in that defense. Um, I think the Khalil Mack signing really took them over the top. Or should we expect that same immediate impact with Vic Mangio and Von Miller in year one? Immediate impact? I, th- I think we will have an immediate impact. I don't know if we'll have the immediate impact of the number one defense in the league like the Chicago Bears were last year, but we will have the impact to the point where they could possibly be top five. You know what I mean? Because he can he can instill that energy and, and you know, the, the, the players, the underrated players and slept on players on that defense can step up and, and, and make some noise as well to to add to – what what the what the players that have already cemented uh, uh, themselves to? So I definitely see this defense continuing to make strides and continue to get better. Uh, possibly being a top five defense for sure. Definitely, now the great tandem out in the secondary, led by Chris Harris Jr., who got his money, of course, and some key great names on that defense, led by Von Miller, Shane Ray, and Derek Wolf, and others. But there's only one place to find. To get all the updates on the NFL OTAs, the NBA Finals, and more, it's only right here, baby, on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Myself and Michael Gray, we're saying so long from now inside the studios of WNSC.